This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday, we get together for the best week in review in all of radio. Not that we have much competition, but we take a look at the news, the week in review, and the week of our lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And each and every week, we take a look at the race to the White House 2016, which we're going to do in this hour number three. We normally do it earlier in the program, but this has just been such a crazy week. Uh, We're going to do it in hour number three. But before we do so... I want to make sure everything's okay in Alabama, where Leah Brandon does the uh, the program from. I do it from just outside of Los Angeles, where we met years ago at KFI in Los Angeles. But when we left in the last hour, Leah had to go take care of her dog, who you could hear barking <laughs> in the background, which pretty much encapsulizes the essence of the John and Leah show right there. So is everything okay with the dog? Yeah, everything. Everything is fine. I apologize. Uh, this is his first time up here. I have to take him to the vet tomorrow, so that's why he's here. Uh, we did go outside, and we came face-to-face with a coyote. And how did that go? Um, I grabbed him and brought him back inside because he is he's kind of dumb that way. <laughs> he would have well, no idea what that is. <laughs> well, yeah, coyotes can be uh, bad news. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, I, I have, um, uh, I guess you'd call them in-laws. My my sister's, uh, my sister, my wife's sister's family has lost literally uh, at least ten cats to coyotes. Uh, you got to keep them it, inside in there the, in the mm-hmm. La Cunada area of uh, the mm. Los Angeles area. You're, I'm sure you're familiar with La Cunada. Uh, oh yeah. I, I'm I'm actually stunned that when they 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 go to buy a cat that there's not like uh, pictures of them on the wall, not allowing them to get, <laughs> not allowing them to get a new cat. Look, um, after number three, if you're still turning them out and then finding remnants in the yard. You need to stop. Yeah. Well, for some reason, I, I, you know, I joke. Well, it's a bad. You hate this joke because you love animals. But I, you know, I, I joke that the coyotes actually, you know, have a map where their home is. You know, this is where dinner is um, at the at the, at their house. But all right. Before I get myself in any more trouble than I'm already in with my uh, wife's family, let's uh, move on to the uh, the race to the White House uh, 2016. It was an uh, an interesting week. Uh, let me let me review before we get into the details. So people who may not have heard uh, my uh, particular opinion on, first of all, the Republican race, which is what we'll deal with first. Here's my basic view. There are two outcomes that I will be OK with. One is is if Marco Rubio is the nominee unscathed enough where he can go up against Hillary Clinton on somewhat equal footing. In other words, he doesn't come out so battered and beaten uh, and with you know large chunks of the Republican base pissed off and not supporting him or, for instance, having Donald Trump endorsing Hillary instead of him. That's a scenario where I think Republicans have the best chance of beating Hillary Clinton. The second scenario that I would be okay with is if Donald Trump wins the nomination, I cannot even believe I'm saying this, uh, because at the beginning of all this, I was incredibly wary of Donald Trump being the nominee. I tried to even come up with a scheme to to get him out of the the box before he got traction. That didn't work, although although it was a good idea. And and I do not believe that he can win. Now, if, if I believed that Trump could win, I would... 
I'd be really close to being on the Trump bandwagon at this point, Lee. I have to admit, especially after what happened in Paris and especially after this crazy week in, in college campuses, because I really do believe he's the only guy that would have the balls to take these situations on. I really do believe that. Yeah, um, I, I do, too. I do, too. But he can't win. Um, and I'll explain in this hour why he cannot win, barring some sort of enormous unforeseen uh, circumstance. But those are the two scenarios that I'd be okay with. I'd be okay with Trump winning because at least then if we lost, one, we'd have fun. And and two, there would be no ambiguity about what we tried to do and who it was we could blame for having caused us to go down this path. Because I, I believe that the conservative media has has basically prostituted itself to Donald Trump for the ratings that he provides uh, and and they view him as a no lose proposition. He gives us ratings as long as he's in there. If he happens to win, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, and if he loses, we get uh, eight years of a Democratic president, which is good for us anyway because we need a target. And so it's a no Trump is a no lose proposition for people who don't really care about the future of the country because they're already rich and famous, like many members of the conservative media elite. So those are the two scenarios that I'm okay with. I'm curious, Lee, I don't know if I've ever gotten for sure what scenario you're rooting for at this point. (sighs) Or you don't have one yet. Honestly, I I really don't. I I have a problem with Rubio. I have a problem with, uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, I, I still don't have a problem with Ben Carson. Which you're oh, gonna hate. Did you see uh, Saturday Night Live last night? But I did don't. You, did you see Saturday Night Live last of night? Of course not. I did don't you, watch did, that. Did, did you hear about Saturday Night Live last no, night? No, nobody watched Saturday uh, no, Night Live. I'm, t- I'm telling you, Ben Carson has has a less less of a chance of yeah, winning. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. You, don't care you about asked winning? my opinion. No, no, no. Well, doesn't winning I'm... doesn't winning matter? Uh-huh. Doesn't winning matter? Okay, you asked. You asked my opinion. No, and I am telling. And you. I want. I wanted to hear, it, but I'm just curious. So winning doesn't factor into your equation. I'm not sure Marco Rubio can win. No, I'm not. Sure, wait a minute. I, there's a difference. I'm not suggesting that Marco Rubio is a lock to win. All right, he's not a lock to win. He, he's he's got the best chance to win. In fact, he might be the only one with a legitimate chance to win. I'm not promising right. Marco Rubio is a fail-safe winner. What I'm telling you is Ben Carson has zero. Okay, that's fine. Zig, chance. I'm not sure that you asked your opinion. I no, thought I you asked mine. No, I did, but I'm, I'm not denigrating that you like I Ben Carson. I know, but Carson. I'm just telling you. That's who I like. Okay, but doesn't I, I doesn't have winning problems with all of them? I get that at this point. I get it. I'm just I really want to just nail down this point though. So, as winning doesn't factor into your equation, or does not it? at this point. It doesn't matter yet. My God, what can happen between now and the primaries? How about a terrorist attack on our soil? How about a million other things? It doesn't matter. I'm just listening to what they're saying and looking at their positions at this point. Well, after what happened, Saturday Night Live blistered Ben Carson like they never— I don't care what Saturday Night Live did. Leah? Okay, they don't hold what they did back in 08. They're just dead now. Leah? 
What? They're narrative creators. Oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter anymore. They're just not that anymore. Okay. Well, they've lost Leah, that. Leah, if you let me just put it this way, I would bet you anything you wanted to bet that <sighs> that Ben Carson will not beat Hillary. Okay, Clinton. that's fine. Let's. Okay, that's that's fine. Why is it so frustrating? Let's move on. Why is it so frustrating to you? Because uh, all you want to do is tear down Ben Carson every week after week after week. And, you know, I've just had – it's just been a rough week. I just don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to get into it. You asked, I told you, then you tell me I'm wrong. No, I I did not tell you you're wrong to like (laughs) Ben Carson. I want to make that clear. I think it's fine to like him, but I I hope at some point whether or not he can win – becomes part of your equation and everyone's equation. Now, when we come back, we've got to play maybe the soundbite of the year so far uh, when it comes to, ironically enough, Ben Carson and Donald Trump's bizarro world attack on him, um, which mirrors a column that I wrote earlier this week. Maybe Trump read it because it, he might as well, it was ripped right from the words that I wrote, um, but he went way too far, and we'll talk about that when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is our weekly look at the race at the race for the White House 2016. And uh, Leah, in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you won't. Uh, the soundbite of the campaign occurred uh, this week in a speech that Donald Trump gave in Iowa. And frankly, uh, to call it a soundbite might be a misnomer because it was a 90-minute speech. Ranch. Uh, that was flat out bizarre, and and I'm saying this as somebody who agrees with a lot of what he said. In fact, I wrote about it for Mediate, the media criticism website. You can see the column I wrote about Ben Carson having a Brian Williams problem at my website, johnzigler.com. That's John, J-O-H-N-Z-I-E-G-L-E-R, johnzigler.com. And it's a really good column, um, but I never imagined in a million years that Trump was going to go off the deep end on this issue of Ben Carson's stories not making sense. Uh, We're going to play just a minute of Trump's bizarro world speech. And this is actually maybe, while it's one of the more entertaining elements, it also is, frankly, one of the more rational elements of the speech. This deals with Trump attacking Carson on what I call the magic belt buckle story of where he claims he went after a friend now relative named Bob with a knife, tried to stab him. It hit the belt buckle and broke. And Trump's BS detector apparently is at an 11 on this one. And here's what he had to say to a crowd in Iowa. And he plunged it into the belt. And amazingly, the belt stayed totally flat. And the knife broke. How stupid are the people of Iowa? How stupid are the people of the country to believe this crap? So here's the good news. He's now saying all of that stuff happened because otherwise he's a liar. And I said, no, wait a minute. It should be the other way. 
It didn't happen. The press made it up. Those guys, they made it up. No, 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 no. It happened. How dare the press not believe me that I went after my mother with a hammer, that I hit somebody in the face with a padlock, that I tried to stab a friend of mine whose name was Bob, but now it's changed. Whose name was Bob. He was a friend, but now he's a member of my family. Who I have a brother. Don't speak to him. I don't want you to talk to my brother. All right. Now, in the history of the Iowa caucuses, Leah, I doubt very seriously that any major candidate has ever said the words, while in Iowa, how stupid are the people of Iowa? I know. <laughs> and... Um, and, and if Trump had just stopped there, then I would have said, you know what? That was entertaining. It might be a little bit flamboyant, unpresidential. But at least on the facts, uh, he, I believe he's right. I think that the magic belt buckle story, as well as some other stories, are ludicrous. I'm not even sure Carson intended them to be taken seriously. I see them more as parables from a, a guy who's trying to create the narrative that his life was touched by God, which, by the way, is, is a story that will play well in Iowa for a lot of people, which is why Carson's not going to be that damaged by this, uh, the whole issue of his Brian Williams problem. But he went further than that, and he implied strongly, although it's being misreported slightly, that Carson was like a child molester in his pathology. Now, that is just insane, First yes. of all, um, and it's it's really, really bad politics because Carson is not only tied with or close with Trump in most polls in Iowa and nationwide. He's ahead of him. Well, in some, but not. I, I would still say that as of right now, Trump is leading, uh, certainly nationwide. But here's the most ridiculous part of it. Carson's by far the most personally popular person in the race. With the GOP base. I mean, like 60 or 70 percent of the GOP base really like the guy. Right. So, so here you're, you're, you're basically saying to almost um, two-thirds, maybe more, uh, of, the, of the people you're trying to appeal to that, that this guy is like a child molester, which isn't going to go well. And I know it's not going to go well because I have fought on my own way on Twitter and Facebook with a lot of Carson fans over this whole Brian Williams issue, and I never called him anything close to a child molester. I just want him to tell me why I should believe these stories. So yeah, but this is really bad. The way Trump did this, this just indicates what the links he'll go to when he feels threatened. I agree that it's unpresidential. And again, I don't think it's going to help him. But here's where the, the Trump magic comes in. With me, it just works. You know, it's magic. Because this could have destroyed him, and then the next day, the Paris attacks occur. Right. And, and which means two things. It's off the radar. It's off the radar, and a story that's perfect for Trump is now front and center. Exactly. So, so he gets—this might be the biggest break, and I, I don't mean to in any way, shape, or form make light of the Paris attacks, but from a political standpoint, this is a huge break for Donald Trump. Now, when we come back, I'm going to tell you why Trump cannot win a general election and why Carson can't either on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. The best we can review in all of talk radio, mainly because we have very little competition. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. A passport appearance. What was that? Yes, that's me. <laughs> Here I am touting that we're the best we can review <laughs> in all of radio, and some <laughs> random soundbite comes out of nowhere. You know what I hate is when you go to a website and then the video automatically loads. Uh, like, you used yeah. to be able to choose it, but not anymore. Well, you know, I was just about to say that you were doing this hour under semi revolt and protest because you didn't duress, like. Duress, duress. Because you didn't like the topics. No. And you didn't like the fact that I was, you know, making you face the reality that Ben Carson can't win. No. And you want to. Talk about more fun things about, like, uh, for instance, why my my wife is trying to force me to have a second kid and whether or not I should go along with it. We, we, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that next week. There's there's too many too much hard news, um, and I've already promised uh, people I'm going to explain in this segment why it is that Donald Trump and Ben Carson cannot win. Uh, and to me, that's very relevant because to me, that the choice here is: Do you want Hillary Clinton to be the next president, or do you want to find someone who can beat her? And while I look, you know, it's almost weird how similarly Donald Trump and I think about some things, not all things. Um, we've met backstage at the Today Show. He's publicly supported uh, my work on the Penn State case. He was the only major celebrity to, to have his BS detector go off on how bogus that scandal is. Uh, and I agree with him on immigration, even though I think it's a lost cause and I, I, I'm desperate for someone with balls. I that's Man, well, I am too. I'm definitely desperate for someone with balls. It's now become my number one issue. Just get me a, a good set of balls. And and uh, <laughs> and Benjamin and, Netanyahu is not available. Right, not eligible. So <laughs> so uh, just get me a good set of balls. And uh, you know, I would absolutely take Donald Trump over Hillary in a heartbeat. And I will say this. You know, I, I've moved from Trump having zero percent chance of winning the GOP nomination to having about a 20 to 30 percent chance of winning the GOP nomination, mm. which is quite amazing that it's gone that far. I've gone from Trump having a zero percent chance of beating Hillary to about a five percent chance. I give him what I call a puncher's chance, you know, in a boxing match. That's an old cliche. You know, a guy might be overmatched, but if he's got a good right hook, you know, he's got a puncher's chance. Uh, and I would give Trump a puncher's chance, especially, you know, with the chance of maybe a massive terrorist attack or something along those lines uh, that, that could really dramatically change things as far as the mentality of the electorate. But here's the basic rationale for why Trump cannot win. Hillary's biggest weakness will be creating enthusiasm, especially among younger voters, to get out and vote. So this right. is a huge advantage for Republicans. And in fact, Republicans historically, if you look at 2010, 2014, 2015, all off-year elections where Republicans did very, very well because voter turnout is lower. And when voter, voter turnout is lower, you have fewer. True. All right. So. They the, all come out of the cracks. The, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a presidential election, the news media has enormous power because it's a national election. See, local right. television news does very little political coverage. It's a, it's a huge advantage for Republicans in off-year elections because there's no coverage and there's no get-out-the-vote uh, drive, really. Rock the vote. Right. So in a 
gen- in a general election, the news media feels it's their obligation to get everybody out to vote, and everyone does vote, and Hillary's going to have a little bit of a problem in that way, unless we nominate Donald Trump or maybe Ben Carson, in which case all of her turnout problems are solved because there will be 100% turnout if Donald Trump is the nominee and darn near 100% turnout if Ben Carson is the nominee because it will be negative turnout among liberals who will be convinced by the mainstream news media that we have nominated the devil. Oh, yeah, Hitler himself is over there. Right. Now, now, now. Let me just amplify this point with something I haven't gone into previously, Leah. And here's the other reason why Trump and Carson cannot win. And this is a theory I've never heard anybody else put out there about how and why people who decide elections vote. But you have to remember who decides presidential elections. Again, it's... <laughs> okay, now here's how the... Now, so, so the people who are not partisan, the people who have no political philosophy, the so-called independents, the morons out there, here's how they vote in a presidential election. They vote based upon whether they're young people, middle-aged, or they're old. The older independents, they vote for the person they think is safest because they're old. They're going to die. They want safety. The people who are middle-aged who are independents, they want to be able to say to themselves they voted the smartest vote. They, They made the smartest vote. And the youngest people... The younger demographics who are independents and have no political philosophy, they want to vote in the direction that's the coolest. So you have older people voting for the safest, middle-aged people voting for what they think is the smartest, what the media usually tells them that, who's the smarter vote, and younger people who the the coolest person to vote for is. Tell me which of those three demos, Carson or Trump, possibly wins after a year in which the news media is going to be scaring the hell out of old people that Trump's going to drop a nuclear bomb and that Trump's an idiot and that Carson's a liar and he believes that the the pyramids were for grain silos and all that stuff and younger people there's no chance that Trump or Carson is the cool vote when the alternative is voting for the first female president so do you see what I'm saying, Leah? No, I there, don't think any of the GOP win under that circumstance. No, no, I don't know why you pulled those two out because no, 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 they no, no, hold they're on. no different than anybody else. Fair question. I think that I, I think that you could certainly argue that a unscathed Marco Rubio dissipates all three of those advantages. No. Hold on yeah. a second. Let me finish. Let's go to the younger voters. Marco Rubio is much younger than Hillary Clinton. He knows rap music way better than Hillary Clinton. His wife is a former NFL cheerleader. There is absolutely no question he could get cool votes among younger people. TMZ, He's GOP. T, TMZ loves the guy. All right, Middle-aged people, I think he could easily split the smarter vote. You know who, who's the who's the smart vote for? And older people, he's absolutely safe. He's much safer than Trump or Carson. He's a senator. He's he's not perceived as a right wing wacko. He's strong on the fence, but he, you don't get the sense he's gonna. He's not gonna be safer up. than Hillary Clinton. Um, <clears throat> I, again, Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm not. <laughs> 
I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm not asking for victory in those demos. I'm asking not to get clobbered. I'm asking not to get destroyed in those three battles that I just outlined because Trump and Carson will get destroyed and they will ensure huge turnout, which Rubio would not create massive negative turnout among Democrats. He doesn't incite a lot of anger or, oh, my God, it's, as you said, Hitler incarnate or whatever. He, you know, he just seems like a decent enough guy and he's not, you know, not again, right wing nut job. I think Rubio by far has the best chance of winning, whether he will or not. I have my doubts. He may not have any chance of winning. There was a McClatchy poll out this week where Hillary's clobbering everybody, by the way, beating Trump by 15 points. And this is this is when Trump is at the height of his popularity. So, um, look, that is why, you know, to me. Beating Hillary is the number one priority. I'm, I'm frustrated by these conservatives who want this perfect candidate who does not exist, who they will not name, uh, who, who cannot win. Uh, and so that's what frustrates me. I just wish people understood the electoral realities of the situation. Now, when we come back, uh, there, was a, there was a Republican debate, which seems like it was forever ago. We're not going to talk about when? that. Yeah, I know. It was, I know. It's amazing how long ago that feels like. Uh, but we do have to talk a little bit about what happened to the Democratic debate last night. We'll do that when we return on our final segment of the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. final segment of this edition of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where tomorrow morning you'll be able to hear everything you might have missed or re-listen if you would like to, to our podcasts at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Commercial free, easy to use. Check them out Monday morning early at freespeechbroadcasting.com. There was a Republican debate this week, which, frankly, I don't think is going to mean very much, especially considering all the events that occurred after it. And because there's so many Republican debates now, uh, at least in the last few weeks. But there was also a Democratic debate last night that will probably have even less meaning because, one, Hillary's going to be the nominee. Two, it was on a Saturday night in Iowa up against one of the biggest football games the University of Iowa will play all year, maybe in several years. And it was only seen by 8.5 million people, which, by the way, uh, you know, would be a narrative if it was with the Republicans. If Republicans, yes. if Republicans were only drawing eight and a half million people for debates instead of, uh, you know, 14, 15, 20, 30 million, which they have previously, that would be a major problem for Republicans. But we don't live in a fair world. And uh, Leah, give us a synopsis of what did happen, since I'm sure most people didn't watch the uh, the very boring, sleep-inducing Democratic <laughs> debate. Well, uh, yes, they did have a debate. Uh, it was buried last night. No one watched it. Very low ratings. But interestingly, did you know that the moderator met with all three of the candidates' campaigns this week in order to discuss topics 
for the debate. That doesn't happen but, with the GOP? I'm sure that Oh, happened. yeah, sure I was trying to find the... where that happened, but uh, no, okay. it didn't. Okay. So at the last minute, of course, uh, some of the topics were changed because of the terror attacks in Paris. Now, uh, not one Democratic candidate on stage would utter the words Islamic terrorism when asked the question. Hillary Clinton. Secretary Clinton, you mentioned radical jihadists. Yes. Marco Rubio, also running for president, said that this attack showed, and the attack in Paris showed, that we are at war with radical Islam. Do you agree with that characterization, radical Islam? I don't think we're at war with Islam. I don't think we're at war with all Muslims. I think we're at war with jihadists who have... Just to interrupt, uh, he, he yes. didn't say all Muslims. He just said radical Islam. Is that a phrase you don't... I think that you can you can talk about Islamists who um, clearly are also jihadists, but I think it's if they hear people running for uh, president who basically shortcut it to say we are somehow against Islam. Yeah. So Bernie Sanders, this is a great question. Uh, they were asked to name the number one security threat to America. And here is Bernie Sanders' answer. Today, the scientific community is virtually unanimous. Climate change is real. It is caused by human activity. There you go. <laughs> That's your debate in a nutshell. Oh, and oh Hillary, Hillary Clinton uh, weaseled out of the question, why does she take so much money from bad Wall Street uh, bankers? Because she helped them get over 9-11. Yeah, uh, which only Hillary could get away with. By the way, wasn't that the same 9-11 where she pretended that her daughter was right next to the World Trade Center when she actually wasn't? Remember that one? No, uh, I don't remember that you one. You don't remember? No. She, no. She she told a very uh, a Ben a Ben Carson, Brian Williams type story about <laughs> Stop how— Stop putting him with Brian Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She told a Brian Williams type story. Look it up. Google it. You'll be able to find it. Uh, Chelsea was nearly killed in the— uh, in the in the World Trade Center, Bob. I'm I'm only exaggerating slightly, but she was desperate for her connection to the uh, to the tragedy, and it was that oh, Chelsea wow. Chelsea was there, and of course she was a worried mom and all that business. And oh was, gosh, uh, but, okay. But, but, but as a Democrat, that's okay. You're allowed to do all that stuff. It's fine. Um, right, let's now, first of all, with the Rubio thing, and kudos to the moderator for at least interrupting and saying excuse me that's not what he said uh you know i agreed on a very sharp curve for these these liberal morons who he didn't uh, say all muslims right but but hillary still gets away with pretending that he did like criticizing Correct. him for uh, running for president while claiming that we're at war against all is all of islam uh you know it's amazing to me of many things that have happened how much to the left, Hillary Clinton is of where she was in 2008. In 2008, if she had gotten that same question, I guarantee you, in, a, in the Democratic primary against Barack Obama, she would have said, "Damn straight, we're at war with radical Islam." Uh, it's a, on every single issue. She is, at least on paper, at least what she's saying, a completely different person than she was in 2008, and the. The authenticity issue, forget about politics. That's where she should be attacked. 
24-7 by every single Republican because that's something that the stupid person can understand, that she's just not authentic. And, you and she's a liar. You can't believe any – and I'm not even talking about the – I, I would at this point – I would abandon the Benghazi thing. I mean, I maybe. Oh, make... I wouldn't bring up Benghazi, but yeah. I just would continue to brand her as a liar. Yeah. That D- America feels that way. Inauthentic, disingenuous. Uh, she's just not a real person. And I think that that's an effective strategy to beating her if you have a candidate that hasn't been destroyed or won't be destroyed by the news media, which, again, I think the best chance of that is Marco Rubio, although he's. Or by Donald Trump. Well, Trump. You know, because he would fight back. You're right. Uh, Trump, look, let's face it. If you think about this, and, I, and I've made this analogy before, that it's like a deck of cards, and, and we're playing poker here, and we pretty much know what the Democratic hand is going to be in Hillary Clinton. But right. the, the beauty of Trump is Trump takes the whole deck of cards and he throws them up into the air because <laughs> you have almost no idea. It what, is true. What, you don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea. So so if you, the deck is stacked against you, reshuffling is inherently good. Because it can't be worse than a losing hand. So I I see that argument with Trump, although I still believe rationality will have some sway in this before it's all said and done. As far as uh, Bernie Sanders with the the global warming thing or the climate change. He's a wackadoodle. But it. But you know what? He'll he'll receive no blowback in a Democratic primary for that at all. He'll probably gain some support. Not that it matters because he'll lose. But, you know, it is. I'm. Let me mention this because I've talked many times about the fraud that I believe global warming is on every Mm -hmm. level. Uh, And by the way, to the point where if it's real and we're responsible, I'm still not sure there's anything we can do about it or we would want to do about it. Because, frankly, I don't think it's a bad thing in in small doses because I think the globe is too damn cold as it is. But I I saw a documentary uh, this week, which really it, it, it was almost like a light bulb. And I can't believe that I never thought about this previously. Um, I think it's called Merchants of Confusion or Merchants of Something. It's basically, uh, it's the, the whole premise of the documentary. Follow me here. It's just hilarious. That the bunch of left-wingers are so frustrated that they can't get the public to jump on the global warming bandwagon that they're blaming, they're blaming the public's lack of fervor on global warming on like a handful of of white guys who occasionally get on television to say that global warming is a fraud because they're paid by Exxon Mobil. And and what it occurred to me, which is an absurd argument to begin with, right? I mean, somehow a few people on Fox News Channel are going to sway public opinion. The, the, no. the, the reality is the reason why the, the American people... The public opinion is like, you guys are stupid. We're not buying Well, it. that's exactly right. The reason why public opinion hasn't jumped on totally to the global warming bandwagon <laughs> is because people can see the weather for themselves. They've exactly. lived it. They understand it. So, uh, you know, some people have been swayed, but not a huge majority. But what, what the light bulb moment was this. And the documentary goes to great pains to connect the opposition to global warming, because the science has been settled, to the same thing that the tobacco companies did with smoking. And it suddenly occurred to me, oh, my God, 
That's why liberals are so convinced that they're right on this, because they think those two situations are analogous, that somehow the tobacco causes cancer deniers are the same people or from the same ilk as the global warming isn't real deniers. You follow me? And so... But the, the reality is those that is not an analogous situation. Those are two totally different circumstances. And by the way, plenty of conservatives full-on realized that tobacco causes cancer. It, and, and the tobacco companies had a hell of a lot more direct self-interest in that debate than ExxonMobil does in this. So that, to me, I really thought, oh, now I get it. That's how they've convinced themselves that they well, have maybe, to be right. But they're also making money off of it. All of these well, liberals exactly. are making an industry out of it. Bingo, which wasn't the case on the other no. side of the tobacco debate. Exactly. Thank you. All right. Have a great week, Leah. We'll talk to you next Sunday. I promise it'll be more fun than this week. <laughs> Freespeechbroadcasting.com. So long, everybody. We're talking about a baby next week.